Welcome to the Comics Cross Metal Podcast, episode 66. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas. I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday. And if you don't celebrate, I just hope you had a killer weekend. So we are rapidly approaching the end of the year. And yeah, I kind of find myself looking through all the stuff I've done this past 11 months so far and kind of feeling like, oh, man, there's like three or four things I really wanted to get done before this year was up. And, yeah, looking at my schedule, I I don't think there's going to be time for that. But I guess that's kind of all of us right now. I certainly can't complain about my productivity this year. I've, you know, done a ton of new episodes for the show. I've drawn a ton of comic book pages. I've made a ton of music. And, yeah, it's going to be a bit nitpicky for myself. But, again, I I think we're all kind of guilty of that, especially when it gets to the end of the year and things we want to accomplish. I'm hoping I can uh, squeak out a couple things I wanted to do, uh, especially regarding the show and some music stuff, but we'll see. You know, <laughs> that's how it goes, right? But, you know, if I if I have to say, like, if I do nothing else for the rest of this year, I can't be mad. I can't really can't be upset with the uh, level of work I've done. So, um, I don't know if you can notice, but the audio for this segment might be a little bit different than usual. I am talking into a new microphone. A new microphone that hooks directly into my phone. Uh, The Shure S... um, Not Shure S. uh, Most of their microphones start with an S. That's why I'm getting confused. The Shure MV-ADA. And uh, I had this microphone very briefly. And I thought I'd be using it more. And I wasn't, so I got rid of it. But now I find myself in a position where I can be using it more. So I picked it back up again. And yeah, I'm just sitting here in my car uh, waiting on uh, one of my children to finish a tutoring session and thought I'd you know, bang out some podcast stuff, which is mainly what this is for, so I can do some of this stuff on the road and be a little bit more productive instead of sitting here um, while I'm also <laughs> drawing at the same time. So I guess if I'm not doing 15 things at once. I feel like I'm not doing anything at all which I'm sure some of you can relate. Anyway, enough rambling. Let's get on to the good stuff. So, instead of a comic book recommendation this week, uh, I actually am recommending a actually very popular YouTube channel, which I only uh, have come across in the past couple weeks, and that is the Dead Meat YouTube channel. Uh, it is a horror-based YouTube channel, and they have a ton of great content with podcasts and interviews with creators and stuff like that, but... The main draw for me is the kill count videos they do, where uh, the creator of the account of the channel and the host, James A. Janice, he goes through, gives you kind of like a summary of the movie, and as you're doing that, you're he's counting up all the kills that are happening throughout the movie and providing a lot of like background information regarding how they did some of the stuff, how they did some of the effects and things like that. And it's very entertaining, very informative. James is a very, very good presenter, performer. Uh, I found out that he is kind of, you know, an expert at editing videos. He used to do videos for, uh, you know, studios, kind of like the little mini clip 
marketing videos they would have for shows and stuff like that. So he knows how to put together a tight, well-presented video, and it really shows. His content from the get-go was really good. It's only gotten better. I've gone back to some of his earlier episodes, and yeah, it's it's really fun, really informative. If you like horror, he goes through the whole gamut. He does stuff from like Aliens, which is you know a borderline <laughs> a horror movie, the Alien series, to something like really obscure, like Society, which was a movie I totally forgot existed. And I'm trying to forget existed. <laughs> Most recently, uh, within the episodes, I rediscovered the Basket Case series, which is something I remember watching when I was younger. Too young to be watching Basket Case, but just seeing all the cool monster designs and stuff like that, I'm like, oh my god, I remember seeing this movie so many times. Specifically the second one. And, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's been kind of like a half-nostalgia trip, half like just kind of uh, being entertained by by this. Um, I'm never going to have time to sit down and watch all these different horror movies. So it's it's kind of nice to, I guess, get spoiled on them. But I don't really, if I'm not going to have time to sit down and watch them, I'm not going to mind being spoiled on them just because, you know, I wouldn't have seen it anyway. So at least here I get to get some interest. And I've actually gotten interested in checking out the actual movies for a few of these. It's really fun, really entertaining. The Dead Meat YouTube channel. Go check it out. Okay, my music recommendation this week is the latest from Black Label Society, Doom Crew Incorporated. Now, yes, I did just talk about Black Label Society a couple episodes ago with their my favorite of their albums, 1919 Internal. And that's because I was just kind of getting in uh, Black Label mood again. I kind of have a... Uh, I don't want to say wishy-washy, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I never dislike hearing Black Label Society, but it's definitely gotten to a point where it's there's less that I'm really, really like enamored with or really enjoy than stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's fine, put it on, whatever. So I was kind of hoping this album would be you know, my next new favorite one. They've been kind of heading that direction after in my own personal opinion, kind of like a, I don't want to say low point. Um, I don't think it's ever been bad, but there's just been nothing that's really grabbed me. So the, the past couple albums have been kind of getting there for me. So I was hoping this one would, and I can say, you know, for certainly it does. But there might be a little bit of a caveat to that. I kind of miss just Zach Wilde doing stuff that's faster. Um, not that his solos aren't like blazing fast, but just like 1919 Eternal had a ton of like thrashier, just kind of faster, more alternate picky riffs. And more recent albums, this one included, are very mid tempo, very kind of stompers. And it can feel a little samey sometimes, but it's still good. It's still, I still enjoy it. Especially when Zach gets really lets his like Black Sabbath influences show, this becomes kind of like a real southern tinged, stompy, sludgy Black Sabbath variant that that you know I really really enjoy. Um, there's a lot of great tracks on this album. The opener set you free, destroy and conquer, gather all my sins. Like even the ballads are good. I mean, Zach's a fantastic musician. 
It's just that, you know, I, <laughs> it's, I'm recommending this album just because I think it's good. It's not what I wanted it to be. But that's just how it goes sometimes, right? It's a good album, though. And if you like big riffs, big vocals, big solos, this definitely fits that bill. I'm just kind of waiting or hoping that they just, you know, kick up the speed a little bit with the riffs and just kind of uh, get a little thrashy again. Um, and if they don't, that's fine. I'll take albums like this for, till the end of Black Label's days. This really feels like I'm not, like, digging it or whatever, but I am. I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed the entire album. I'm just, like, kind of, like, just seeing that. It's like, it's like getting a really great steak, but it's cooked just a little bit too much. It's, it's, it's not perfect. But I highly recommend you check it out, especially if you like this style of just, you know, mid-tempo, stompy, sludgy music. And, you know, there's definitely a place for it in my listening rotations. And, you know, I think it, if it appeals to you, it certainly will fit in nicely there. Black Label Society, Doom Crew Inc. Right now, my favorite track is Destroy and Conto. Let's check it out. For my guest this week, I am pleased to announce the second incredibly talented and awesome Gavin <laughs> to, uh, this month to the podcast, and that is the one and only Gavin Gidry. Gavin is a fantastic artist. He's a really fun guy. Um, he's just, you know, his style, and we get into a lot of it into the episode, has just like refined itself so much over the past couple years, and he's just a really, you know, smart and just well-spoken, well-thought-out guy. And yeah, I'm glad we finally got to talk on, on the podcast. He's got a really cool project coming up with uh, Brent Schoonover and tackling some Captain America stuff. And he's got a ton of great stuff behind him. And he's always good for like really awesome commissions too. And yeah, he's just a, he's just a great talent. And I'm so glad we got to speak. So in between recording and posting, Gavin and his family welcomed a new little bundle of joy to their family and I once again want to congratulate them for that uh, the baby is super adorable and the family is super adorable as well I wish them nothing but happy healthy days ahead and yeah so let's get to the interview with Gavin again awesome dude awesome artist you should definitely check out his stuff and yeah I'm really excited to see what he does next so in the probably decade of C2E2 being a thing, I've only missed one show, and unfortunately this year I'm going to have to miss this show. And I bring this up now because my guest so generously offered to split his table with me for the show, and I am kicking myself that I will not be doing it, because not only will he be at C2E2, he will be there with so many amazing people that I've yet to meet in person or have yet to see (laughs) in person for the past two years. Um, so I'm incredibly glad he is here now and we can chat and we can 
BS a bit and we can talk about some really cool stuff he has going on. But before we get to any of that, Gavin Gidry, Comics Coffee Metal, what are you digging right now? Alright, um, most recently with comics I picked up the Magic Order number one. Well, Magic Order 2, number one, I guess you'd call it, uh, now that Stuart's on the book. I loved the, I loved all of the art that Olivier did, because he's also freaking mm-hmm. incredible. But Stuart's like, you know, the guy. So I picked that up. Uh, other than that, I actually kind of dove into V for Vendetta uh, recently, because uh, it went on the on Comixology as like a part of the Unlimited um, borrows. Oh, okay. So I borrowed it recently, because I kind of... I felt like seeing the it, it popped in my head recently because they um they announced something about it on Twitter and it was a, a comic convention mentioned it and called it Alan Moore's V for Vendetta and oh, I got a little I got a little salty about it <laughs> uh, justifiably so yeah because uh, like come on guys um, you're a comic convention get get with the program um uh, I've been reading a lot of Shonen Jump. Uh, on the Shonen Jump app, um, and and so it's mostly been a, a mixture of manga and some throwback comics. But you know, for me, I found that the the dogma of you don't read very much once you start making comics is really true because um, mm-hmm. my readership dropped down a lot. Um, as far as coffee, um, I'm a big local guy, so we have a, a, a place called PJ's that I actually used to work at that I love, but I drink, I'm a big ice latte or, or a cold brew or a nitro fan. Okay. Um, not huge on Starbucks, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely throw down a Starbucks nitro if they have it, whenever I'm out of town for one of these shows or a matcha latte, which I got from the lovely Ramon Villalobos cause he drinks the iced matcha lattes all the time. And nice. it's delicious. Um, then metal, unfortunately, not much for metal. <laughs> um, I am a sad old bastard uh, music lover. So I listen to a lot of like folk music that makes you want to cry. Um, <laughs> so I'm huge on guys like uh, Jason Isbell, um, Once Upon a Time, Ryan Adams, um, bands like Mandolin Orange, although they changed their name recently. Um, but yeah, like, uh, troubles of the working class, those kinds of things, or, or like hitting on those hard uh, truths of life. You know, uh, Isbel's really good at condensing like these little perfect nuggets of like, ex- this is what existence is like, and then just wording them beautifully. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of Third Eye Blind recently, which I, I loved and, and have loved for years. Um, they put out something new, and one of my buddies is a big fan, and we kind of both were like, what did you think? <laughs> and we've not really <laughs> liked their newer stuff, but it got me right back in and listening to the stuff of theirs that I loved. Um, They're one of those bands that I think people really came around to, and because and, when they first came out, like they're obviously immensely popular. But I think there's a lot of like snobbery about it. Yeah, it could just be the yeah, changing yeah. of like us, like you're, I think, uh, a good handful of years younger than I. So when they came out, like it was for me, it was like around the high school time. So it was kind of like, you know, I could see people my age now being like, no, that was a jam back in the day. Yeah. And, and these guys well, were good. And, they're known as this radio band, and part of that is because of Jumper. And honestly, that is like, I don't even listen to that song. 
whenever I listen to that first record, I skip it because it's it's not at all indicative of like the rest of their music. Um, Simi Charm Life is, but Simi Charm Life, if you get below the surface of it, the writing's really interesting, and he's got this weird like I don't know gypsy soul to his his writing where it's got like a like a vagabond kind of mystique to it um that i think he lost a little bit because he's an older man now so we were my friends and i were talking about that but like those first three records are actually really good and have a lot of really deep songwriting um and the instrumentation is really good too um especially on their third record which is my favorite uh, the guitarist is like using a lot of interesting open tunings and, um, and he uses a lot of harmonics, uh, for melody, which is cool because usually you're getting harmonics in solos, but he's using them as a melody over the vocals. And I'm like, that's rad, man. I love it. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) so I've been listening to that a lot lately. Um, uh, although it's been recently supplanted by books on tape. Ah, well, Uh, yeah. I mean, as much as I listen to music and to kind of touch on, you know, I, I said this quite a few times on the show already, you know, the not reading comics thing, just, it, it's just so true. So part of the show where I do recommendations every week of a, a comic, that's what's gotten me to like at least be consistent with okay. starting new series and things like that. Yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause I was always like, no man, it'll never be me. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no way and no it's true you really it i don't know what it is about it it just i guess i just spend so much time making them it's hard you to... want you want something different you want something different like possessing your your brain and and kind of just taking over you know that whatever i guess what i'm trying to say is when you're making comics you're kind of scratching the same itch as when you read them and so when when you're done with that you're like well i could read comics and i will most likely enjoy the hell out of it but my brain's also like but there's a new you know there's a new ted lasso there's a new uh whatever show on like let me let me go you know let me go do this or for me more like more often than not it's like oh you know my favorite youtube metal guy released a new episode or what's this thing and like <laughs> straight like up that, so. yeah well and in you you have a you have another one very specific hobby that is time consuming with playing music so I, and, I, I feel like that alone like really whenever you're not doing comics you kind of want to like let your brain get to enjoy that i wish i played my guitar nearly as much as i used to but like yeah i don't know i, I something about adulthood now um the the free time now for me it's like i just want to like not even think also my calluses are gone and my fingers hurt now (laughs) okay (laughs) um yeah the the music thing it's like for me it's kind of this cycle where i'll go through it kind of started in like 2016 when i started doing that riftober thing Mm -hmm. like it, it would force me to play my guitar for at least like a half hour every day and then I would kind of try to tr- keep up that consistency throughout the year. And then I would start to fall off and then maybe not play it as much. And then I had to kick back into it and get the rust off like during the summer and all that. So it's been the cycle of things. Uh, but yeah, like I would love to like just take a half hour and every day and just sit down and, no- and just noodle or whatever to keep my calluses up. 
<laughs> keep the rust off and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately for me, whenever I like have an interest, I kind of have to make it a thing. So it's right. like I can't just play music and enjoy music. I'm like I'm writing an EP or I'm trying to figure out how to mix things to sound kind of professional and things like that. And well, and so, your Riftober things are like super produced and like like even the like the video aspect of it not necessarily at first but like the more recent ones you've done they've been like cool as opposed to just being like <laughs> a phone recording of you playing your guitar you know like like yeah. you're putting time and effort into and essentially polished yeah yeah and essentially it's kind of what it is like everything's recorded and edited on my phone and iMovie but well not not the music the music i recorded in like i have a template in my recording program uh so i have like the guitar tracks and the bass track and the drums and all that and all the eq settings that i normally have for these things i do the thing i export it as mp3 dump it on my phone and just sync up the audio and the video on the thing on the phone while i'm sitting having my coffee or whatever <laughs> you know jam it in wherever i have time and then you know thanks to technology i i'm able to do these things quickly and and like that freaking wild um, right it's yeah. so wild. And it's so it, it's it's finding that time if, or making that time. Um, because not only, you know, are you busy making comics and all that stuff, you know, you you are also a parent. <laughs> yeah. You have you have one or two. I have two. Right. And uh you have two and one and on a the third way. On the way, yeah. We we so, officially scheduled that, that puppy for the middle of the week next week, although all right. Uh, every day we get closer it's kind of like i don't know if it's gonna be wednesday man i feel like yeah. you know this she might pop out like in a couple like er, my wife is planning on working at least this full last week but she ended up leaving work early this week because she's like i'm having contractions and it hurts my back and it sucks so <laughs> she ended up taking the day off early so i got a little bit of extra work in today which is nice but um we're both working from home, so it's not yeah. too big of a deal. But yeah, dude, it's it's definitely uh, she's coming. <laughs> she, yeah. She's she's well, coming quick. Having two babies who have uh, arrived weeks earlier than they should have, they when they're ready, they're they'll <laughs> they decide. <laughs> right. If you're lucky enough to schedule it, <laughs> get it done. Then yes. Yeah, uh, my daughter, my daughter definitely uh, kind of just like showed up on her own. Uh, my son, we. She, my wife was uh, diabetic for him, so mm -hmm. they scheduled an inducement for him, and they're doing that again okay. for this one because she's diabetic again, although it hasn't been as hard on her. At least the diabetes part of it hasn't been, but like this pregnancy has been a pain in the ass in terms of like she's just like, my hips hurt, I'm sore, my stomach's tight, it's a big-ass baby, like <laughs> she's heavy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like my daughter, I remember we were like watching a movie, and she's like, oh, water broke but i don't feel like i don't have that crazy contractions or not so we like okay well let's go to bed then and you know we'll just kind of like see how you feel and then you know two o'clock in the morning she's like okay they're they're coming now so we gotta go and yeah. we went and it was i mean not until freaking three in the afternoon so mm -hmm. we were there for 12, 12 hours. hours yeah yeah the the next one was a lot he was quicker we got there uh, they they scheduled us to come in around midnight i think he was around 
one we were still there for the same amount of time but the, mm-hmm. the pushing and, and the actual labor part of it was super quick for her which was nice because man like yeah. it sucks being there as the the dad and being like i can tell that you're in pain yeah and like your hips are hurting you you just feel so helpless <laughs> and yeah, like I, all you I can do is wait yeah. You know, it just, it's, it's, it stinks. Yeah. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining because no. I know, I know who has it harder, but it, yeah, you, you feel bad. You feel guilty almost. We, we should take this time to acknowledge and appreciate the sheer insanity women have to go through to carry and birth these babies and the, you know, sometimes not very talked about health risks and things that yeah, happen along the way. For, uh, so many and, possible complications and everything. So, and I mean, the fact that so many variables and the fact that, you know, our lovely wives are set are like, let's do it again. Oh, <laughs> after the first one. So, yeah. you know, all love and respect to the mamas out there. It's yeah. If you know, there's that joke, basically like if any if men had any of women's health issues or concerns, like they, they would have put, all the money in the world to like remedying it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a, I had a big surgery when I was a teenager. Um, I was born with my chest caved in. So I had, mm. I had to wait till I was done growing. Um, so it was about when I was 18 going on 19, or I think I just turned 19 when I had the surgery. Um, and they had to put a metal bar in my chest and then like pop it and flex all ribs forward. And the doctor described it as the closest thing you're ever going to understand to what childbirth feels like because of the just sheer amount of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I was bedridden for a month. I couldn't sleep on my chest. Um, then the following month I could get up and walk around, but like I couldn't even pee without mm. slowly starting to slump over. Cause I couldn't hold myself up. It was a nightmare, but I've seen my wife give birth or I've been around my wife giving birth or being pregnant for nine months. And it's like, I'll I'd do that surgery again. <laughs> I think <laughs> well before I would be like, yeah, let's experience this. Although I will say that the byproduct of a pregnancy is this wonderful thing, you know, whereas like, I, like my, the metal bar, I got to keep it, but I don't like bring it to parties, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's not really a thing that I'm like showing off or proud of or anything. You can't, you can't show it how to draw and, you know, yeah, play right? guitar chord and, you know, get that, you know, that that's kind of the thing where, um, everyone's different, of course, but like whenever, like, I, th- I don't think people who aren't parents get, like, even though parents complain and all that, like those of us who are, you know, wanting <laughs> to be parents. We're, it's all just venting off steam because oh, yeah. one one little cackle and you know shuffle from the kids running away or whatever, and you're like you're forgetting why exactly they were driving you absolutely batshit bonkers yeah. five seconds so, before. Mine are two and seven, and and well, yeah. almost three and almost eight. And listen, especially the seven year old, she's a giant pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, like it's something that you it is a thing that you cannot describe. It's a different feeling than you ever had. Um, I always describe it as you grow up feeling like, you know, your capacity of emotion is at this level. And then all of a sudden there's like an extra portion in there and you just have to live your life now where at any moment you were just too filled with emotions. And it's 100%. both like, 
dumb things that never used to make me. And I've, I've always been like a, a soft boy. So like, Same. you know, crying at certain things, but like I cry at the drop of a hat now. Mm-hmm. It, it used to be just like daddy issues would make me cry in movies um, from having my own daddy issues. But now it's just like even good dad stuff and good kid stuff and like positive reinforcement and like somehow Ted Lasso can make me cry. And like any number of these <laughs> things of like people succeeding or things working out even gets me emotional. And it's just like, what the hell did this kid do to me? And then like, I look at my son and I'm just like, you're too fucking cute. Like I can't handle it. Like I look at you sometimes <laughs> and it literally is a thing of just like, I, I cannot handle this face you're making you're it's oh it's too much man it's you're too literally much. quoting me and my wife to, to, to my son and my daughter it's just like and you know really doesn't help like facebook because just today we got hit with a two-year-old memory of my daughter oh yeah reacting man. to oh. seeing snow outside Dude, and it's yes. just like oh come on not a video yeah. a photo and yeah my daughter is five my son is you know two and it's like the, she, you know, she's in kindergarten like all day now, and it's like at yeah, first you're man, like at so, first you're like, oh okay, now we just got the one. I can kind of do some stuff. I don't have to worry about handling two. But then like, you know, after you like run your errands or do whatever, and you're like, oh, I miss her. Where is she? <laughs> you're you're gonna have the really cool shit though coming because like now that I'm on the other side of my kid learning how to read, yeah, it's kind of incredible. Yeah, just I, all of a sudden you see them like picking up words off the TV. And oh yeah. Saying, my, Why does that say this? And you're like, how did you even know that we're, like, category? Like what the mm-hmm. fuck? Like where did you learn category? Yeah. Our daughter picked up reading like, like really fast. She's been reading for oh, awesome. almost a year now. I think obviously well, at a different, take at, back then. <laughs> at different level. Well, no, every kid, every kid's different. Um, but we weren't expecting that. Like, yeah. And I learned how to read super young too. I was like four, four and a half. I learned how to read on my yeah. own, like by mimicking. Yeah. And my mom was definitely the same thing of like, I don't understand how this is happening. Well, there's the sight words that are very like, I think the, 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 the idea behind them is just like, those are words that kind of like make sense and you say and you see and they kind of like go together. And then there's the more developed words. But yeah, she's, you know, now at bedtime, she's reading us the books. That's awesome. You know? And it's so funny because she <laughs> she has this book called Web Colors, which is like it's for kids, but not her age. It's for kids mm-hmm. who are trying to who are interested in coding. Oh, so it's got all these like web color formulas and stuff like that. But she loves this book so much. <laughs> it's just like you're gonna be so much smarter than me <laughs> by the time you're like ten. Well, and truth <laughs> be told, like coding is such a useful skill. Yeah, that like. Basically, any of us could learn it, but it it it's going to take a lot of effort to learn it. So, like yeah. having it ingrained in this next generation, I think is going to be like super useful. Obviously, coding languages are going to change, mm-hmm. but like having any basic knowledge of one is going to make your life so much easier transitioning into the to the other. So that's really yeah. cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying she's like rattling off the form. I'm just saying she's just no, in of love course with not. This book. But she's being exposed to it enough yeah. that now that I, I'm willing to like. Well, I was also just commenting on how cool it is that there is a color coding book for yeah. kids. That's an awesome thing because they if, definitely weren't having like com- computing for toddlers. Like no, no, <laughs> or no. whatever when we were kids. I mean, it was the 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 rocket scientists were the only people working on computers in the 90s. 
my, my two-year-old knows how to manipulate my wife's apple watch like yeah. it's just like oh yeah <sighs> we we did an experiment on harper my daughter when she was little because she would always use netflix on the ipad so mm-hmm. we're like is she going to the spot that she knows netflix is at or is she recognizing the app logo mm-hmm. so we moved it and she went and found it so <laughs> like i think of like she yeah. knows that like this particular app is the one that gives me the videos yep. i want Exactly. Yeah. It's when my daughter has her iPad time, she definitely knows the apps. She sees them on our phone that we have just in case we need, need, need it. And like even now, like on the, on the main TV with like the Roku or whatever, if we let her watch something, we're like, okay, you know, all done. Uh, you know, your video. I am just past week. I've been like experimenting. I'm like, okay, okay, Ruby, put on Peacock. And then right she'll yeah. exit, find the Peacock app, open Peacock. Go to the office because you know that's what we're gonna put on, and you know the office, and then <laughs> put it and turn it on. Yeah, dude, it's wild. It's, it's just like kind of like become their own humans. It's yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, the Scrubs decide described it as having a dog that slowly learns how to talk. Kind of, mm-hmm. it kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny watching them go from these toddlers to like people. Yeah, and you know my son is just you know a. Sp- her shadow so he's just soaking up all the stuff he's he's doing and he's like uh it's just you know and on top of him you know being you know i don't know if it's true it, it's a true stereotype but him being a boy it's just he's so dangerous <laughs> <laughs> he's so like just like he he, he has a sense styles. of he has a sense of oh maybe i shouldn't do this but there are times where it's like, boy, what do you think is going to happen? Right. <laughs> like, what are you trying to do? Yeah, You're not my, a billy my, goat, man. Like <laughs> My son, he's not too much of a climber, thankfully. But his oh. play style is fucking aggressive all of a sudden. Right. Like, after, out of like, like, the, like just six, the last six months, he learned how to go, hi-ya, and punch and stuff. Oh, but no. now he's like, he like threw a trade table. Like, I'm oh, like, what boy. the fuck are you doing, dude? Can you <laughs> chill out? Like, why yeah. is everything a fight with you? Like, and you know, it's like smashing toys together. And he got it partly from his sister for doing like, quote unquote, Pokemon battles. But like, everything's a fight. And now he wants to wrestle. Mm. And so like, she's having to deal with him being up her ass. And now <laughs> on top of that, being like, jumping on top of her and stuff. And she's like it's like stop him please uh i mean she acts like they weigh the same amount of like he's can overpower her they're five yeah. years apart but man yeah. like he doesn't he doesn't give her much rest <laughs> i mean for a parent that's good he's like tire tire each other out guys <laughs> oh yeah straight up and and it's funny because he it's the same thing where like he is so attached to like whatever she's doing he wants to be go like he'll go in her room well, it's going to be their room soon. We're, you know, we're going to in the, in the process of having to switch a bunch of stuff around now. Mm-hmm. Um, Been there, but yeah, but, um, you know, like he'll go lay down with sissy or he'll follow sissy around or he'll go sit next to sissy and do whatever sissy's doing. He'll have a controller for the switch. That's not hooked up while he, while she's playing her switch games and he'll like quote unquote play alongside her, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. He's like, they bathe together still. Like that's something they both get super excited about. And they're just mm-hmm. like, loud obnoxious sea monsters for like 20 minutes in the tub um same <laughs> and it's kind of like you don't want to like i don't want to take that away from either of them because they both like love it yeah um and 
you know, it's cool seeing them be like that attached. Cause I didn't have that necessarily have that. My brother and I were really close when we were younger, just out of necessity. Cause we were only two and a half years apart. Yeah. So who else were we going to play with anyway? But so quickly we just ended up having different interests, like really, really early on. Um, that, you know, like getting him to do what I want to do or play what I wanted to play. Like if it wasn't like a board game or a game or a sport, even sports, it got to a point where like I had to like beg. Uh, but also, you know, I had those periods of time where he was just being an asshole because he was bigger than me. So mm-hmm. like basketball, he just got to bully me basically. Mm-hmm. Um, although now he's like five, eight and I'm like six, one and a half. Um, <laughs> and he's like, Oh, the turntables have turned. <laughs> oh yes. And I passed him up when we were in high school enough so that I had a teacher once think he was my younger brother. Oh, um, I'm sure that felt great for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I was always super thin. I'm not thin anymore, but like there was even, uh, I mean, I've got him by like a hundred pounds easily. So it's, it's just, you know, different. (laughs) Uh, I'm definitely not the little brother anymore, but uh, we had those periods of time where he was able to just do whatever he wanted to bully me with that. But it's cool seeing them like share a lot of the same common interests. It helps that my kid's a nerd, but it also, I think helps that we were growing up in a time where there's, you know, Partially, I think, because it's stuff that I'm into anyway, so I'm willing to share it with them, whereas my folks mm-hmm. weren't, like, sharing nerdy shit with me because they didn't care. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, like, we very quickly decided we're not going to put any gender stereotypes on toys. So it's like, whatever you want to play with, we'll get you. So, exactly. like, if Peter wants Minnie Mouse, Peter's getting Minnie Mouse. If Harper mm-hmm. wants uh, any superhero stuff, she's getting superhero stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, if anything, like I prefer to buy her the superhero boys stuff because the girl stuff tends to go too girly to the point where they, for some reason, feel like they can't do the superhero or the like, like a supergirl shirt or Batgirl shirt can't be Batgirl or Supergirl's colors. They have to be pink. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, it's so, it's so mm-hmm. weird that you can't just like let a girl have a shirt that's blue. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world. If she has a shirt that's red. You know, it's yeah. crazy to me that they have to be like pink, purple and yellow for 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 uh, Wonder Woman. And it's like, what? What in the world is wrong with like it's such a weird industry. Girls clothing is so screwed. God, it's yeah, wild. It, it, it's it's beyond ridiculous. It's funny uh, hearing you say all these things because it's like exactly how we approach everything. Like even just today, you know. We have a little routine in our morning and. Uh, when my daughter wakes up, you know, we'll watch an episode of Pound Puppies and then we'll watch an episode of My Little Pony. And he gets so fucking pumped for My Little Pony. Oh, dude. Yeah, my my son has... uh, He's not really, like, into the ponies, but whenever Harper wants to watch My Little Pony, he is fucking with bells on. You know, they're both dancing to the theme song and stuff. Yeah, Uh, man. So, but, you know, so naturally, you know, our with the toys and stuff, you know, our kids, you know, we... You know, if my daughter wanted dollies, we got her a dolly. If we got her, you know, even, even like you said, even stuff that would be traditionally considered a girl's toy, we would try to find a version of it that's more neutral, mm-hmm. you know? And she is just as likely to go and play with, you know, her stuffed animals or with something, you know, like her, her Minnie Mouse or her Legos. Or she grabs the Gamera and Gyrus toys off my desk 
and grabs a Godzilla toy that I got for her because she loves Godzilla and is playing with those. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, mine's and he's, the same. And he, you know, he's just as likely to go and, you know, play with, you know, blocks and, and cars and stuff. And then, you know, just today he was playing with all her little My Little Pony figurines. And, right. And having a well, blast with them. Each other's, they paint each other's nails. Like, yeah. You, you know, know, it's just like. We let them do whatever they want to do and explore whatever they want to explore. Yeah. Because it, it, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. The, you know, we can get a whole, you know, gender as a societal construct thing. <laughs> 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 but, you know, uh, I've been wanting to ask, you know, so you mentioned your wife and you both, you both work from home. So when it comes to like, like your schedule for like doing art and stuff like that, do you kind of have to like be point man dad during the day while your yeah. wife's working and then you kind of like do the night yeah. shift early day exactly. kind of stuff? So we've gotten to the point where I'm making enough where she's bumped down to four days a week. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to get her to go to three, but she's always kind of like, uh, if I go to too little, they're going to be mad at me or some stupid stuff you know i mean but at the same time bosses suck so she's probably right um but she is on a four days a week so she works um wednesday through saturday and she works she goes in early she goes in at six so i'll wake up get the kids together get a harper on the bus and then hang out with peter all day until she gets off at 2 30 and then you know i'll usually hang out for maybe 30 minutes to an hour and then i'll pop back here work about six hours every day for those four days mm-hmm. and then kind of push closer to doubles like 10 hours or 12 hours on the other days. Um, inevitably, you know, it gets interrupted 600 times or mm-hmm. we have errands to run or, or eat dinner thing to do or things because like it's that. The, right. Or it's the weekend. So now we have to go to someone's house to do a thing this one day. Mm-hmm. So it pushes things off, but I've gotten really bad about keeping track of how much time I actually spend working. I, I still feel like I'm probably pretty quick in terms of my output and been pretty uh, productive. Um, but I mean, when Harper was in school and we just had her, um, it was a lot easier because it was a lot more of a regular schedule, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to having to rotate around. Uh, or even before her, when I was still working a full-time job, you know, I knew what hours I was working when I came home or working late you know, working overnight. But yeah, I usually try to call it at like 10 or, or earlier because mm-hmm. I'm at a point now that I'm in my thirties. that like, I'm just, I'm exhausted all the time. <laughs> so like, you know, being with him in the morning, I don't want to be like, and I've done it like falling asleep on the couch while he's next to me watching TV. And, and my wife comes out, she's like, are you fucking serious right now? Will you wake up and like, make sure the baby doesn't kill himself. Like doesn't mm-hmm. find a knife somewhere or something crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, so I, I try not to that cause we have to get up at seven 30 to get her on the bus. So it's like, that's not crazy early, but mm-hmm. when you're working till midnight and then you go and settle down, you don't fall asleep till one, you know, yeah. waking up at seven 30 sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's exactly the schedule that I'm on. We, we've okay. never had to put any of them in daycare, um, mm-hmm. which we're glad we were able to maneuver it that way. Cause like, what a waste like we'd be 30 of our of our work hours would be paying for daycare yeah that's you kind know? of how i ended up being you know mostly at home. i do have a at home part-time thing that's not art related or whatever that i do that helps out that helps do this and which is 
nice because I don't rely on art income for our bills mm-hmm. and stuff. So when I do have that work coming in and all that, you know, I it's separate. <laughs> Sometimes it gets me a good, uh, you know, a cheap guitar. Sometimes it, you know, it pays for a table and printing and things like that. And yeah. or you know, if I need a, a new piece of equipment or supplies or stuff like that. So, but yeah, the the schedule you mentioned. My wife and I just had like a, a conversation about like myself because mine's drastically different. I would say um, I'm usually getting up around five to try to get an hour or and a half or so of work before we have to wake up my daughter to get her going. We walk her to school because the school is like three blocks away or whatever. Oh yeah, and, yeah. I'm in a similar situation where yeah. the school is being super close. It's awesome. Yeah. So, and then you know. I have, and then, you know, my son will be up and then yeah, I'll run errands or go to a park or something now with him and, and all that. And then usually around noon, thankfully we, uh, are able to have like, you know, uh, a grandparent come over, <laughs> uh, once a day for like an hour and a half. So I could go work out or if I have to like do something where it's like, this is a pressing like thing on the house or repair or something like that. I have to go do. I can take care of it in that time or try to. And then, yeah, it's just, you know, hanging with the kiddos after that. And, you know, sometimes I'm lucky and he'll have a nice nap in the afternoon. So I have like an hour or two to like sit oh, yeah. in the office with my wife I and you know, we can both work and, uh, and get stuff done there. And then it's, you know, family time until like nine o'clock. And then it's usually, I try to shut it down around 1130. And then, so I usually sleep from 12 ish to five. Jeez. Um, but I'm, I've always man. been, I've always been a not heavy sleeper or long sleeper guy. It's not great. Uh, some days because having kids, you know, it's a different type, kind of tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I've had, <laughs> I've had that conversation more than enough times with people where it's like, listen, I've been in a position where I've been up for well over 24 hours, exhausted, wiped out all that stuff. But when you add a kid into the mix, you, um, it's, it's just, just like, like stimulation it, overload. Like, yeah, it's you are crazy. just so done. Like <laughs> it is not even like I would. It's just a different level of tired. Granted, I have now accessed this level of tired. So now whatever tired level of tired a non-child having person <laughs> has, I keep I, I my my point of reference is is deeper now. So you know I respect the fact that you're saying you're exhausted. I'm not going to be one of those people who are like, you're no exhausted until I'm just saying it's different, man. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's different. Just no. <laughs> my, so my Twitter bio, I think it might be different now, but it was like coffee incarnate or like always tired human jungle gym. Those are all mm-hmm. references to being a dad. <laughs> like <Yeah>. my kids <laughs> fucking climbing all over me all the time. Cause like they physically want to be on me and mm-hmm. then like always tired because I'm always fucking tired like no matter how much i sleep i'm just tired all the time like i'll hang out with you and we could talk for like the next hour or so but i want to yawn like just because <laughs> i'm always tired it just, it just is what it is but if i went and laid down right now i'd probably be up for an hour yeah my wife you says know? i don't i don't fall asleep so much that i just pass out <laughs> like that's just what it is like my like i there's no like well on the on the on the nights that will actually sync up our schedules and we'll both go to bed at the same time you know it'll be she'll be like i'm lying in there trying to fall asleep all of a sudden i hear you 
<laughs> like two seconds after we laid down. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, my, my wife makes fun of me that for that too. Cause like yeah. whenever I'm ready to go to bed, I'm out. Like it, it's yeah. not, fa- it's not long at all. Like I, yeah, I, I, I definitely burn the candle at both ends a lot, but that's just what it is for now. I guess. I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, before we start recording, we actually, I think we're having a really fun chat about like art styles and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you brought up a really uh, interesting reference that I initially was like, I don't know what this means, but you explained it very <laughs> succinctly. And that is kind of like, you know, I mentioned that I've seen a lot of like Cliff Chang in your style and all that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a thing called the coaching tree kind of right, for like, for like NFL, a, like a, a dumb sports thing. Yeah. And but so yeah. could you, could you kind of like repeat like what exactly that, sure. how that applies so, to like art. So, you know, in the NFL, because coaching staffs are so large, famously, um, every head coach comes from someone else's coaching tree. So, like, uh, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. Our head coach for the last 15 years is Sean Payton. Um, but he was in the coaching staff of Bill Parcells, um, who famously was also the main guy who helped um, Bill Belichick, who's at the Patriots. So, there's people who staff underneath bigger coaches who grow underneath them and they, they get bigger and bigger jobs. till so eventually they're their own coaches, but so much of their philosophy comes from their, their mentor, you know? Um, so I think of it kind of like in a stylistic thing of there being these trees that we have in the industry of certain people, not necessarily like learning from each other directly, but just kind of fitting in the same vibe of a tree. So like, I say that, uh, you know, like I, I'm in that clean, open line kind of thing that like a Cliff Chang or like once upon a time, Cameron Stewart or, or Darwin Cook or Chris Somney, very famously. But that's also like you wouldn't necessarily call it the Somney tree. You would probably call it like the Toth tree because it's Toth. So like Tom yeah. Riley's in there, too. There's a bunch of guys that like that's just that's our that's the shit that we vibe on. So then like you would have like, you know, Daniel Warren Johnson and James Heron are not the same artists, but they very clearly are in like the same stylistic house or tree as, as it were. I like to think of tree because of how it can branch out in different ways. Yeah. Um, no, no, that, that's a like, very apt. Right. And we talked about our friends uh, who are like in the, the quietly guys of mm-hmm. uh, Ramon Villalobos and like Chris Burnham. And uh, Nick Patera, who, you know, they are, again, different artists. And I can recognize each of their art on its own as theirs. Yeah. But they very clearly come from this approach to drawing that comes from Quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, you know, you get like that with, like, your Jeff Darrow's and, and other people as well. Like, Grandpa, you know, there's a bunch of people. But I feel like as you look around the industry, you can kind of see in other people's art kind of you know where they come from that way and it's not necessarily that you're biting someone's style per se because my myself i feel like i am my own artist but also i'm the cumulative pieces of my favorite artists all worked into my style and and translated into whatever my hand can do um you know, so it's not like I'm necessarily trying to be someone else, but I'm learning from what these guys are doing and the things that and the things that I like that they do, and I'm kind of adapting them and synthesizing them into like my voice. You know, but I'm also not a- ashamed to be like, no, I recognize that I'm in that same 
Toth, Somni, Chang, Tree. Yeah. See, that, that, that style that you get, that tree you guys are in, it's utterly fascinating to me because it, I don't think my brain would ever, like, comprehend <laughs> the, just the choices that you would make to, to get that. Because I love that style. It's, it's, you know, I'm definitely the type of person who's like, you know, I I love all these different comic comic styles, so it's always kind of like finding the you know finding where my tree the roots of my tree is like I don't know where where the hell to start, but just by pure appreciation, you know you, you, the style that you guys have that clean line open style. It, the, the the thing that always gets me and Somni's the absolute wrong guy to like try to pick this apart with is like <laughs> what does your your underdrawing look like how because it, it seems like your lines are very deliberate is it just like a, so, just like pure chaos and then you're just chiseling it out <laughs> so i've seen enough of his process um that i feel like i can comfortably say that he's doing a lot of his actual drawing in the ink stage which yeah. freaks me out um mm-hmm. Because it is so sort of precise, I feel like his brain might be moving a little bit quicker. Um, and I ink very, very fast, but my my pencils are pretty tight uh, for me. Um, the loosest I'll ever do is I'll have some fairly rough forms, but I'll have like really tight faces. Okay. Um, because I don't want to. That's the part that I want to make sure is like a hundred percent right. Um, and the form bodies come more naturally to me. I feel like then I don't know why, but like as a kid, whenever I'd be sketching or teenager, even in my book, I would draw an arm before I would draw like a face. Um, and I drew a lot of faces. I drew a lot of way more people than I did, you know, items. I had to learn how to be like a competent background artist. Um, but yeah, like I, I definitely have tighter pencils. Um, Somni is a, a a guy I was actually talking to this talking to Robert Wilson the fourth about this that like there are guys that you can look at and you can be like, all right, I think they're a better artist than I am, but I can see the path to kind of get where they are. And then there's people who they're just on another level where you're like, no, I just don't like, not that I couldn't ever touch that, but like Somni's a guy where you're like, yeah, we're just, you're just doing a different level of math than I can do. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like I, I, I don't understand. Like there's a brain thing again. It's like your brain is just processing something that I don't think I can necessarily assimilate. Uh, so there's guys and there and everybody's, these are all people who are great, but like, I, like you can trace the math to kind of get to where someone else is. And then you look at like, same thing with Eminem, like, no, he's just, there's just some magic that he's doing that I it's like an alien. Like I just can't comprehend like the, the essential thing that he's doing, you know, they just draw on a whole other level. Yeah. And the thing about imminent is who is like, it's difficult to figure that out because he's good at everything. Everything. Oh yeah. Everything. I have his Centifolia books and they are yes. filled to the brim with like, I don't know. It looks like 40 different artists. It's yeah. It's incredible. like, how can, how does one brain be like yeah. a master at 
all these different variations of art. You know, I'm still retaining like this very specific line quality that is his. It's, it's it's wild. It is. I fully believe like art is a skill. Anyone can learn to draw. Anyone can learn to draw well. But there is also a, you know, because there's the whole talent thing. And, like, talent is often mistaken for hard work and perseverance. I I feel like, like, the the, the way that I always thought of it, because I was always capable uh, at a young age of drawing, I think at the very, like, it's a head start. It's literally, like... It's a head start, or as an adult, it's like you might have just a different level of processing, yeah. Which makes, which again, will push you a little bit further than anybody else. But it doesn't mean that drawing isn't something that everybody can learn how to do at a at a high level. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. It's it just takes like mileage, and we talked about it a little bit earlier too about you know once you start drawing books professionally, you get mileage quick. Yeah. You can feel yourself growing. Like, I feel like I'm at a period now where I'm, you know, we call it quote unquote leveling up. Um, and I posted recently that like, I think it's important to like recognize and acknowledge openly these times where you kind of feel yourself growing, mm-hmm. you know, like you're in a different groove. Um, and there's also the thing that we all say that like, you look back at something you drew like six months ago and you want to burn it <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> or, and, or hide know, it. There's, there's an appreciation that you have to kind of develop of of realizing that because now your brain is recognizing all the things that weren't working with that or weren't at a level like that's the as someone else has mentioned this before and it's kind of the thing where it's you are constantly unhappy with what you're doing but that also means because you're growing constantly and your expectations and your, your the 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 levels you're going up are also with your expectations of what you can do. Right. And I you know I remember distinctly your tweet about that because we when we were talking earlier, I kind of mentioned that I feel like I'm approaching a place to where I'm like I'm you know getting to a a, a higher level of what I can do than I was before, and sometimes it feels painstakingly long between those those steps yeah um but you know to speak more to what you said the fact that you know i've i've drawn so many different short stories with so many different things i wouldn't normally draw if i was given my own choice of what to do that you know i'm i'm you know easily you know making bigger strides because i'm i'm pushing myself out there more and i think that's i think that's something that you know again <laughs> we had a really nice conversation before we started recording or like this is we should be we should have recorded this because it's a lot about talking a lot about art and things like that but you know i had mentioned like i was trying to do sample pages and i just kind of wasn't feeling like i was growing or being interested in that and it's just kind of that thing where it's like just doing a thing and doing it consistently and taking chances to 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 be uncomfortable a little bit with what not uncomfortable in terms of like content but in terms of like your ability you know saying yes to the thing you're like 50 percent sure you can do <laughs> yeah you know that's, I've that's done, a, like i've done a number of different things i mean i feel like i definitely have done things that i would qualify more as crime 
uh, books yeah. uh, as the bulk of what I've done. Although none of it's been like dark crime stuff. Um, like, you know, not the Brewbreaker Phillips, like really gritty crime stuff. Um, although I inject it straight into my veins because it's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, Sean's a, a, a fantastic artist in particular. Um, but, uh, you know, I've done mostly what I would consider crime stuff, but I've also gotten to do like weird stuff with like a space tournament with animals in, <laughs> and like every species on the earth put on by aliens in an eight page short. And that was a really weird, fun thing to do. Um, I punched a horse it, well, I drew someone punching a horse in 33, <laughs> and that's a book with a bunch of explosions that I don't normally get to do, per se. I've done a short with another writer um, that was like a kidnapping story with like like PIs trying to track them that down. And that was one thing that's different from going to the chapel, which is like a really comedic take on, you know, a heist, a hostage story. And then uh death defying with with well anytime you work with chris sabella prepare for shit to get weird uh because his brain (laughs) you know he does such outrageous his ideas are uh so unique and kind of out of the pocket uh like i mean he has a b crime book coming out which you know (laughs) i before we before we recorded i uh was recommending you know for the next episode that that'll be two episodes behind this one i think his book dot self and you know i mentioned chris's work is like he comes up with these crazy ass ideas but oh, they yeah. also seem like like especially like the futuristic stuff it also seems like inevitable <laughs> that this would be a oh, thing yeah. oh, right um yeah he's so, got his finger on the pulse of the future yeah and actually uh chris is going to be on the show in a couple episodes after awesome. you i love chris yeah chris is a really good dude so, yeah he's 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 just one of those writers where it's just like he's a blast creator, to work with his, his creator own stuff every single time it comes out it's like well you know i wouldn't there's been a few of his books where i'm like i don't know if i'd be interested in that but then i pick it up and it's like well this is enthralling <laughs> <laughs> so of course i have to finish this now but um yeah it's it, it it's that it's that variation and in, in, in doing all these different things and you know, I've been fortunate the past couple of years to, you know, work with mostly one writer in particular, but he keeps throwing me curveballs <laughs> on things. And yeah, it's, it's this kind of, I think if left to my own devices, I would probably be, be sticking to like monsters and like, I don't know, like spiky things. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So, well, you know, and getting to work with like one person and building a rapport with them is like a special thing too, though. I think that's neat. Um, you know, I, I haven't been able to do too much of the same stuff with some people, but I mean, there's been a handful of people that I've kind of gone back and done other things with. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to get to have these guys that you kind of like, and I, I don't mean guys in like strictly the male sense, uh, but to have these people that you kind of build, you know, your own rapport with, I think it's neat. Uh, you know, like I, I'm dying to, to find that colorist that like, you kind of want to marry, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like Somni and, and Matt Wilson. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, or like Cliff Chang and Matt Wilson or like basically Matt Wilson and like six people. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a polyamorous. You know, like you've, 
situation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's 2021. Things can get weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like try to find that person that you kind of vibe with per- perfectly. And then I'd be like, Hey man, like we need to always try to work together. And I even feel that way with some letters, like some of my, like there are letters that I go back to as often as I can. Like I love Ariana Mars work. Um, and, and like Micah Myers is one of my favorites. He's such a nice dude and he's so fast. Um, and like, I'm, I'm doing a, a book soon that I'm working with Hassan finally. And he's been, you know, slowly doing more. I say slowly, he's been very quickly doing more and more stuff. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, and he's been lettering a bunch of stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, kind of what comes from that. And I love the idea of kind of getting a gang and, and doing as many things as you can together. Yeah. That's, it's kind of, um, I don't know. It, it, it feels like a different level of like, you know, having played on team sports and stuff like that. It's like you have your team or whatever, but like yeah. to have like the team that's like, you're all, just vibing and doing all together and it's you know on this creative thing on this you know genre or this well it's, it's medium like a band, that we're all right? passionate about yeah yeah it's like you like you have the band and you can have a side project and you can do other things uh but it's always fun when you get back together with that group mm-hmm. and like yeah. that's your your group that like we're gonna make special shit every time yeah and now my brain's trying to think of like who would be like the colorist for gavin here and i'm like oh. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those well, things where it's like you you wouldn't think about it. You know, it's gonna be one of those I things am, where yeah. It, it, it's, I am uh, working on a, a creator own book that I just got started on, um, and I'm I'm working with a colorist that I'm super excited about getting to work with, and he was mm-hmm. actually really high on the list that I was hoping we were gonna get him, and we got him. Nice. Um, I don't know. I, I'll save that name for later <laughs> yeah 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 well, uh, but uh yeah it's my first creator own book with a publisher that's you know like like a, a big book with other names that are that are big names um at a, a publisher that i'm really excited to get to work with and i'm in the middle of the first issue right now i'm doing that alongside the captain america stuff yeah but um i'm pretty excited about that colorist and i think it'll be kind of neat to see you know to see what happens when this comes out and you know the public gets to see us together yeah you know well you mentioned you're working on a captain america thing but before we get into that we do have some twitter questions um so let's uh, blow through those first off we have eric palicki awesome writer great dude (laughs) i I don't get the reference but (laughs) okay i I gotta ask it my only question is who that Okay, so the reference is to me being a New Orleanian and being a Saints fan because the Saints very famously have um, a, a chant that is called "It's Who Dat" because it's it's Who Dat say they gonna beat them Saints, mm. and the, and the chant goes Who Dat Who Dat Who Dat say they gonna beat them Saints, and so in the middle of the games you get to hear these loud loud chants, okay. um, and Saints fans are collectively known as the Who Dat Nation. Uh, at least as recently as like 20, like 2008, maybe. Um, okay. But yeah, so that was just Eric being, uh, being Eric. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next up is from John Westhoff at Anti Drummer, uh, who I'm also, you know, it's a longtime buddy of mine and I'm actually working on him with some stuff. 
um, doing colors for a, a really cool book of his called Depowered. Available for pre-order now. Link in the show notes. Anyway, um, <laughs> he wants to know, have you been to C2E2 before this year, uh, the comics uh, convention in December? If so, what's your favorite place to eat? So, yes, I went in 20... 20- 18 i want to say um i stayed at mike norton's house uh so two of those nights we actually ordered in um and i can't remember where they came from but i was gonna say well hold on slow your roll i'm pretty sure i was gonna say the restaurant that we went out and ate at were two places we went to revolution brewing Mm -hmm. um and that was awesome i we hung out with uh sean mckeever sean kelly mckeever who's a great dude wisconsinite um and i had a bunch of beer because that's a brewery that also Mm -hmm. serves food and i had cheese curds for the first time and they were freaking amazing (laughs) um but we went to pequod's um i think sunday night and it was like a group of like 19 of us it was ridiculous yeah and we had pan pizzas that were Awesome. So yeah, Pequod's is probably the one that I would say, and I know that that's a Mike Norton staple for him. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. like his his thing is Pequod's. Um, yeah, and it's... I get it because it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I have never had the Pequod's deep dish. He kept talking about Pequod's, Pequod's, Pequod's. So one day, my wife and I were driving home uh, from when we both worked in Chicago, and there is a second Pequod's location. I think the original location. Uh, in, in I think Skokie, the suburb just north of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we decided to stop in there. and We got the thin crust pizza or whatever. So then I, yeah, I, you know, then told him like, oh, I, 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 I Pequod. He's like, oh, what'd you think? I said, oh, it's good. It good. And then I was talking about the pizza. He's like, wait, you didn't get the deep dish? And he, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I offended him deeply. Um, being from Chicago, you know, the deep dish thing, it's it's not what people have every time they have our pizza in Chicago. Well, he had us have he had us all get pan pizzas actually. So oh, we no. even do I, I fully dish. believe that, you know, it's it's kind of the like if you're gonna go out and get pizza and all that, if you it, yes. But if you're like at home and you're ordering a pizza, everyone in Chicago is gonna have a different bar place that they say is typically the tavern style pizza is more the, the go-to for Chicago. And that's the square cut, you know, slightly thin, but kind of doughy crust, not super, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just that conception of like the, the deep dish thing. So is Pequod's the place though? Is that the, yeah, I would say Pequod's if I knew the place that we ordered in burgers from, uh, that okay. would be pretty high up there, but I don't remember, but it was my first time having a burger with an egg on it. The fried egg. Oh, uh, you know what? And it was sloppy and awesome. Was that Kuma's maybe? Oh, it might've been actually. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. okay. Well, you just snatched that memory out of my head. Yeah. I believe it was Kuma's. <laughs> yeah. Kuma's yeah, is we- very popular. Uh, it's actually like two blocks from where I grew up. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a good burger. It's definitely a good yeah, burger. I'm I'm, I'm staying with Mike again, although he's not doing the show this time. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious because I'll be more or less, you know, it was that that time it was my first time in the city, so I was able to just kind of tag along with Uncle Mike. Mm-hmm. But um, this time I think it'll be more. I'm sure he'll hang out a little bit, but it'll be more kind of me, you know, uh, kind of big kid in the city um, on my own. Uh, but 
I think I've got enough friends now. Like I know Bob and Kev are going to be there and mm-hmm. I've got, I think Joe Mulvey's planning on coming out because our two football teams play each other that weekend. So we figured yeah. like what, what would be more fun than being in town together at the same time that our two teams are spiraling out of control <laughs> and playing <laughs> each other. Um, uh, and you know, there's gonna be a handful of guys uh, and, and girls that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that I'll be able to kind of, uh, join up with a bunch of people that I haven't seen in, in frankly, some people freaking forever. I mean, yeah. I went like 17, 18 months without doing a show and I, I didn't even go as long as like some other people have And and I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, so I'm hoping that I can kind of, you know, that's the fun part for me is getting to, to go eat and talk shop and see people and kind of reinvigorate myself to come home and, sit in my room by myself for another six months yeah it's kind of recharged that battery oh yeah yeah i don't think we no uh, we didn't know each other in 2018 so i wouldn't have swung by your table no i knew of you um and i think that's when i first recognized that you like were a chicago guy okay but but i think it was like probably after the show when i was like oh okay this guy don was there okay yeah i think 20 yeah because yeah I, i definitely was showing was 2018 was 20 i think 2018 was the show oh that was a crazy that was a crazy weekend i think i uh i'm pretty sure that was the one where i didn't have a table and then i got one from mike miller on friday he's like i had to cancel i ran into this he's like i got a cancellation and then so i had a table for so i attended as you know just walking around on friday and then Saturday and Sunday, I had a table, which, to be honest, it was pretty sweet. Like, I got to at least yeah. do the walking around <laughs> stuff on Friday and then on Saturday right. and Sunday. And I was sitting, I think I was seated next to James O'Barr. Yeah, James was there that year. Um, and he uh, was at, he went to Pequod's with us because <laughs> he was with, um, I think him and Celie were hanging out like the yeah. entire weekend. Yeah, and Jim Terry is uh, part of uh, another yes, Chicago guy Terry, who's yeah. very much. Uh, in that uh he's done, he's done work with james before i believe oh, that's what it was it wasn't Sealy. it was it was jim terry and, yeah. and him that they were like attached to the hip all weekend yeah. so like whenever jim would come do stuff with mike and us you know james obar which is just weird to be like eating pizza next to james obar <laughs> no it was, it, was, it was it was certainly interesting because he was so pumped for that like jason momoa crow movie yeah, and because you know, just the next time, I'm just listening, you know, and he's like telling everybody about it and like showing the picture and stuff like that, and it was just like I felt like legit bummed when I saw him, like later on, like I I think I said hi to him like twice over the weekend, like he was just busy the whole time, but I just felt like legit bad for him, like when that whole thing fell apart. I'm like, man, that guy was really pumped for this movie to happen. Ah, it sucks, but yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm you know. As I mentioned, a bummed, I you know, but you know, uh, my household considerations have to be respected oh, and, yeah. and stuff 100%. like that. So you know, I'm just like every person I see who I haven't seen in two years or or haven't met in person in general, like yeah, I'm going to see two e two. It's just like a little dagger. I'm like, oh, son of. A- well, uh, if it makes you feel any better, uh, you know, there's a lot of rumors that they're going to turn around and do 2022 back on the old schedule. So 
I've read somewhere know. that they're trying to shoot for August and then okay. 2023. That makes a lot of sense to me. That the, That's perfect. Here's the thing. They are like, like, I understand they have it earlier in the year. It's like the first, it's usually like the inaugural big show of the con season. It's usually like March. Yeah. And that's such a terrible freaking time to have it like in Chicago because the weather is so inconsistent. Um, I listened to the oh. War Bros podcast with you on there, and you guys kind of addressed yeah, well, the, how nuts this weather is. December thirteenth or December tenth or whatever is going to be, be fine. like. You'll be fine. I heard you. You, okay. you said you bought gloves. You'll be fine. You yeah. Know, just make sure you have gloves and a hat for that wind, that off the lake wind, and all that. And 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 to correct Bob and Kevin, my my <laughs> the you know, two gentlemen I adore greatly. Um, Chicago is called the Windy City because of the politicians. <laughs> it just so happens to coincide with the fact that you know eventually, yeah, it becomes this really crappy windy, <laughs> yeah, wind like being in the wind tunnel. Um, but that's your, that's your history lesson for the day. Uh, awesome, <laughs> Chicago. So good to know. Now uh, you mentioned you're working on a Captain America book with Brent Schoonover. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What's the yeah, sure. what's the lowdown? Uh, so Marvel and Scholastic are putting out this line of young adult uh, graphic novels with, uh, I believe, exclusively with writers who come from uh, literary fiction. Uh, so Alan Gratz is our writer, um, and he it's it's a story, uh, a World War II cap story uh, that involves a real unit called the Ghost Army that existed. Um, for the for the US. And it was a collection of artists actually who were in the military who made decoyed weapons and and put on like stage play broadcasts to make it sound like there's more in more troops than there were to trick mm. the uh Axis into thinking that there were you know more allied troops than there were. Uh so we have them in the book, but it's also a play on the fact that we're going to have Scooby-Doo-esque ghost. I say Scooby-Doo-esque, but I don't mean like you pull the mask off and they're not real. I mean Scooby-Doo-esque in the style of ghost Nazi uh, army enemies. So it's it's <laughs> Cap and Bucky in the 40s in the war fighting Nazi ghosts. And I'm really excited about it. Um, and, it, you know, I'm, I'm particularly excited about doing something that's young adult. Um, it's not necessarily all ages, I would say. But, you know, ha- being a dad, it's kind of nice to have something that's more accessible for my yeah. kids. Um, and uh, having something that would be on, like, a Scholastic book fair shelf at her school is also rad. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but Brent brought me on. Um, we talked about it a few months ago, maybe half a year ago. He was like, Hey, I've got this thing coming up. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot of work. So I want to try and have somebody ready who can help me stay on schedule. And, and, you know, it's going to be a hundred, hundred something pages. So, you know, if you're interested, so we, we kind of worked out a system where like it's his thumbnails. So it's his pages and I'm penciling. Um, and then he's coming in and he's, you know, turning it into Brent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's his problem solving with me doing a dash on top to to flesh all the pages out and and work out scale and perspective and all that stuff, the technical stuff. And then he's coming in and, you know, he's inking it and, and 
making it himself. He was, we originally talked about like having me maybe do some inks. Uh, I think he's done that before with other people, uh, trying to mimic him. Mm -hmm. Um, but that always seemed like that's really hard to do. Uh, yeah. Brent's uh, got a real Brent style. Like, right. So it's like trying to be someone else seemed way more difficult than like, just like, how about I pencil save you a few hours there. And then, you know, you can go in. Cause he's one of the guys that he does loose pencils and he does a lot of his drawing on the ink stage, inking stage. So I was like, well, let me like save you entirely the penciling stage and I'll do tighter pencils. And yeah. then you can kind of go in and, and, you know, really quickly turn it into, into Brent. And you can tell, I mean, like, I feel like if you're, if you know, I'm there now, you can look at it and see where I am, especially if you know my work, but I mean, it looks, what I'm really excited about is that it looks like Brent drew it and has, that was the trick of like, you know, we wanted, I, I wanted to not be in his way. Um, and he's been really gracious and he's been like, dude, you're helping me out like a lot. So it's been nice to be able to like feel like I'm helping them. I'm being useful. And I get to draw Captain America. Yeah. Which I didn't is, go, is I didn't awesome. ghost Nazis. Like I, what <laughs> freaking awesome. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. How can you so, say no to that? I know I'm, I'm excited. We, uh, we hit a little bit of a snag where we've gotten delayed a little bit on uh, working on chapter two. Hopefully we'll be starting soon, but like the thumbnails I've seen from him, oh, man, I'm so excited. I mean, there's one full page spread that is like, a spooky castle on a mountain with a thunderstorm behind it. And I mean, just like the Scooby-Doo in me, <laughs> just like, I'm so excited about getting to do this stuff, man. I have to be fully honest. What you're doing in that book sounds like an absolute freaking dream. Like the thumbnails are always the thing that like, I just stress the hell out over. And then the inking is the thing that's always like, takes me the longest. Really? Okay. Yeah. The inking for me is my favorite part. I th well, okay. I love it, but it's 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 the part where I'm like second guessing everything I do. Really, way oh, more. We, so um, inking yeah. for me is the part where I go shark brain, and I just like my my uh, philosophy is always to lay down confident lines to know what I want to do, but to just lay down confident lines and keep moving. Um, so there are definitely some touch ups I have to do, but um, I'm I'm pretty damn fast in the inking stage um my uh, my favorite stage is actually the thumbnail stage but it is also the stage that you're like uh most anguished by mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's the hard that's that is the hardest part um yeah. penciling is the mind-numbing stage because it's like it's that is all of the draftsmanship of like that's that's all the problem solving um of making the creative problem solving in the thumbnails work on like a realistic mathematical level to me that's how my brain works of mm -hmm. like okay so i have this thumbnail where we didn't really worry about scale or perspective now i've got to make that fit into a realistic perspective and have like my backgrounds be true and the planes be right because i'm a i'm a nerd about i want that to be as close to perfect in my art as possible yeah. um so that's the stage where i like you know you kind of feel like you're drawing twice sometimes because of mm -hmm. that but um that's the stage where i'm kind of like uh, i wish i could figure out a way to cut this down but uh, it's kind of necessary and full disclosure like more recently with stuff i'm doing i'm feeling better about inks and things like that mm -hmm. but and that's because i've kind of left some more of the drawing 
in the in the inking stage. Like I am kind of I'm kind of doing what you're doing in terms of like you know getting the forms and the penciling and all that. Um but you know and making sure the faces aren't too wonky. And then <laughs> uh I think that just cuz I'm pretty sure that's what uh there's a quote from Steve Dillon, may he rest in peace. That oh, you know, gosh. he that, that that's what he would do. He's just everyone's like you kind of like just draw straight from he's like, "Well, I'll pencil the faces and make sure they're not wonky and then yeah, I go. And it's like So cuz I only bring up the penciling thing sounding like a dream because when there was a project I was doing, a pitch I was putting together that I having someone else ink me and that which I've, I've never had happen that experience though of just focusing on tight pencils like for some reason it just felt like it it, it gave my brain all the all the dopamine and then okay. knowing I didn't have to go back and redraw it in the inks <laughs> was just right. like yeah all right so I, since then I've been trying to like recapture that high of like how do i make this work for me and yeah. you know working digitally helps out a lot because i can do you know there's some layout pages i have where it looks just like rough pencils and there's other like the next page of layouts would just be uh you know squiggles and, <laughs> and things and i'm like oh shit what how am i gonna start inking from this <laughs> yeah so yeah, it, it's it's all about finding that balance. But something you said uh, stuck out to me, and that's just like you go in, sit, just having a confident line and just going and doing that. So I think mentally, I'm gonna try to adopt that and see where that takes yeah. me, and, ju- and, ju- I, I and just do that, that. I think that kind of encapsulated itself in my brain um, back when I was doing Chapel. Um, and I think it's cause that was the first long form comic I ever did. It, it was, uh, four issues. So, you know, it was 88 pages. Um, so it was, <clears throat> sorry, it was the first time that I was really having to worry about workload and staying on it. Um, drawing something longer than 16 pages, you know? Um, so it was very much about like, you know, we were doing five pages a week and we were staying on it. Uh, so part of it was like, well, how can I kind of like sustain this? And, and, you know, I already, the way that my brain already works with inking anyway is, you know, the smooth lines. Um, so it was very much about like, well, I don't want to use a ruler as often as I cannot use it. And then I also just want to like trust myself and, you know, I have a plan with these pencils, obviously. So I know what I want to lay down and then just fucking go for it you know mm-hmm. and it is very much like just like i i, I wish I, I need to figure out a way to start like maybe streaming or something but like it, it it very much is literally just putting lines down and going and i use like the disposable um zebra and kurtake brush pens with like mm-hmm. the little chisel tips on them yeah and i love them because you can get a large variety of line but they're then a disposable pen that i don't have to worry about like you know being super precious of Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is just like I can go, <laughs> I can do all of it with just that one pen and just go to town. Um, and even when I ink digitally, it's very much the same philosophy of just like putting stuff down and moving, you know. And it's like a shark brain thing, it really becomes kind of rote. It's like a zen that's the zen process for okay. me where I can just kind of like settle in and it's calm and I'm just like, you know, finishing this art. 
Whereas the uh, thumbnailing part and the penciling part are the part where you're like, this is difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, on that note, uh, feeling Zen, uh, I realize we also missed one of the Twitter questions. So I think we'll ask this uh, perfect question to end the show on, I think. Uh, And that is from Grant Stoy at Grant and Stuff, who also has an amazing new podcast called Into the Comics Cave uh, from the Comic Yeti blog thing okay um, awesome. it's a really fun web it's a really fun uh podcast he kind of conducts it kind of like james lipton in the uh, in, <laughs> in, inside the actor studios he has a couple episodes up go check it out um grant's a great dude and i'm not just saying this because i'm supposed to be on the show soon as well um no grant's awesome he always has really fun questions uh including this one which sounds better foot fingers or hand toes Oh boy. Um <laughs> I have my answer, but you're the guest, so you get to go first. <laughs> so sounds better in the turn in the sense of like if these were two things that were physically in front of me, which one would be more appealing? I would have to say foot fingers would freak me out a little bit less than hand toes. <laughs> um like a person with long fingers uh, with long toes for some reason doesn't bother me as much as like the idea of toe-sized fingers on a, on a normal hand. If um, that's I, what he meant. Uh, you know, the, the fun thing about the questions Grant asks from on the show sometimes, he likes to send me these types of questions. God, foot fingers. <laughs> um, I'd have to go with foot fingers, I guess. Um, just because I would be... If it was something that was presented to me, like someone's like, oh, look, I have foot fingers. Well, like, like that like, weird me out more than hand toes. And I would be more intrigued with like, wow, you could probably get a lot of shit done with foot fingers. Well, like, that's the other thing, right? Which one's more functional? Foot fingers yeah. is functional. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm going to leave the obvious jokes aside from uh, fingers on feet, but like just in general day-to-day life, like <laughs> typing emails. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. Just- my uh one of the the recurring things in my household is my wife likes to pick up things with her feet like it's it's like the smaller the object the more of a challenge it is and she like tries to do it you know like pick up a dime that's on the floor or something with her feet. yeah if if there's something on the floor that my kid wants me to get it's fun for me to grab it with my foot and throw it like use my foot to throw it at him (laughs) yeah so think about all the cool think what you could do with foot fingers now you know i'm like you know, if I have a stool, like I could probably play my guitar and do layouts or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm, a whole new world. Yeah. So hand toes just seems like a hindrance. Yeah. You know, as opposed to foot fingers being like, you can put a sock on, you can, you know, put shoes on, you can not freak anybody out with that. And then at home, you're, you're crawling on the ceiling like Hank McCoy. Like, you know, it's. Yeah, man. You're get get weird with it, just like yeah. So you know, with you foot fingers, you probably could make a lot of money on the internet. We can't leave that off the table, but (laughs) true. If that's not there's definitely a Twitch audience for that. But then again, hand toes might be the thing for that too. So you know, oh, that's true. You know, your 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 comfort level may may vary with uh, how you want to approach utilizing these. uh, adjustments to your body i guess anyway this is a pretty great place to have a show on i think you know um alluding to things like this uh, very natural <laughs> gavin it's a, a blast getting to talk to you finally 
person to person as opposed to via Twitters. Um, yes, sir. If you can let everybody know right now where they can find you on the social medias. Um, I'm pretty easy to find other than my name being kind of a weird spelling. Um, I, I'm GavinGidry.com. I beat the other Gavin Gidrys to all of it. So <laughs> GavinGidry.com. I'm at Gavin Gidry on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, so I'm, it, it, it's not too hard as long as you can get the G-U-I-D-R-Y right. You can find me. And as always, there will be a link in the show notes. Gavin, thank you so much for coming on. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. Please be sure to join me on my next episode where I'm talking to writer extraordinaire Chris Siebelich.